stuffing keywords, exact match keywords and phrases so that they will be ranking on the first three spots for Google search. That is optimizing for Google search. But it doesn't actually add value for the readers or for your target audience for that matter. Welcome to SEO Unveiled. Today, I've got a wonderful guest and I'm really excited because you know, we got we always have a few interesting guests that come along. This one, um, she's she's coming from the Philippines, and I'm really excited because I love always having uh, an audience or interviews with people that that are across the globe. Um, and this is Lady Allison, Lady Allison Donuan. She serves as sub department head digital content and SEO for Superstaff. In her first year, she increased visibility from 0.67% to 2.4%. And now she's at 45 to 5%. So she's really killing it on that metric. The most common mistake that she thinks that SEO specialists do is optimizing for search engines. And she says that it's really helpful to make it a point to optimize for readers, not just for Google. I'm really a big fan of that. So I'm really excited to have her on SEO Unveiled today. Thanks, LA. She goes by LA, so we, we call her LA. And uh, thanks, LA, for, for joining us today on SEO Unveiled. Hi, Clay. Thank you for that introduction. Hello, everyone. Nice meeting you. Yeah. So, you know, one thing I typically start out is I, everybody's always got an interesting story about how they got into SEO. And I'd love to hear your story about why and how you got into SEO. Yes, for that, um, I'm a licensed nurse, but I haven't really practiced. Back in 2012, I wanted to switch from my career um, after resigning from my previous job for three years. I was looking for SEO-related jobs since I've been already working as an SEO freelance writer, and I found that SEO is a really exciting career. There's unlimited opportunities to learn, and also the learning here is nonstop since there are a lot of updates from Google, and it's really exciting to work as an SEO. So I switched my career from being a technical writer for three years. And then back in 2013, I started my career journey as an SEO and went up the ladder starting there. So, I mean, it's pretty cool. You started out as a nurse and then you did, you know, some more technical writing. Were you doing the technical writing in the medical field or were you, were you doing it in a lot of different things? I work in a private investigation company. It's an IPO here in the Philippines, intellectual property. So back then, my work entails doing enforcement and investigation reports for anything that is related to counterfeit materials from our clients. So after that, I started working as an SEO. (laughs) I mean, that's... That's a pretty technical field, but it's also really different than than being a nurse. Yes, it's kind of it's kind of a, an interesting interesting differential. Um, well, you know, I'm I'm excited. I'm glad you you kind of went from technical writing all the way into a lot broader scope of SEO. Now you're seeing so many different parts of SEO. It, it's kind of it's kind of like an onion. You know, one layer you 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 know about technical writing, then you learn about um, you know, keywords, or you learn about search intent, and you start learn about technical SEO. There's just so much in the onion to unravel, and I feel like you've definitely unraveled a lot of it so far. And so, you know, one thing that that's always surprising to me is what trends in general people are really are really excited about that they're noticing in SEO right now. I'd love to know what your take is on that. The trend right now that I've seen in the past few years with SEO is that. 
people aren't really searching for exact match keywords anymore. They are yeah. more targeting all the long tail keywords or questions that they are trying to search on Google. So SEOs these days have this common mistake for optimizing exact match keywords, which shouldn't be the case. They should be really optimizing for long tail keywords that people or their target audience are searching online so that they will target their audience better and then provide greater content or valuable content for their readers. Yeah, I mean, that that's so interesting. I mean, when you're talking long tail, so I always think about, well, it could be so many different keywords or so many different subject matters. Like, how do you pick the long tail keywords that you're going after? And how do you produce the content that matches it? And kind of walk me through the process that you're doing to make that happen. It's really that simple, Klee. Um, For the long tail keywords, what I actually do is search on Google itself. For people who are searching for those keywords, I have this tool that I'm using, Keyword Surfer, that I add as an extension to my website browser. And yeah. when I search for questions or anything on Google itself, on the Google search, then it will actually give me the amount or the monthly search volume for each keyword that is being searched. That alone is very helpful and that is a very strong and free tool that I can use for targeting the right keywords that I will use for my content and my articles that I will post in my website. So that's it. That's a very primary key tool and it's also very helpful. And again, it's free for use for everyone. Yeah, I mean, I love a lot of the Chrome extensions in this industry. I feel like there's so much help that's out there to be able to like come up with with strategies. So once you've kind of honed in on a few long tail keywords, how do you, you know, what are you doing to produce content that makes sense for users? And what's your take on producing the content that's gonna rank? Producing content that's gonna rank doesn't actually have to be very technical. It just have to be something that is actually talking to your readers. Like, Say when you are reading an article or a blog post, if it's conversing with the reader, then it's actually really good. People are going to read that more and people are going to stay on that page and people are going to actually click those buy now for B2C or business to customer websites. And for those B2B, they're actually going to sign up for the lead generation. It's just a matter of letting the people know that they are valued when they are reading the content that you are doing or writing and incorporating the right keywords and also the long tail keywords that they are searching for and also focusing on the intent for the article. So when, when it comes to, you know, kind of authority, what are you trying to do to build authority in the space so that that content feels like it's more impactful for either the readers or for Google like, is there anything that you're doing on that side of things? Authority is built with many metrics. And one is the authority that is built when your website has already been there for a very long time. Aside Perfect. from that, your authority for your website is built when you are writing the right content, again, for your audience. Um, when the articles are well-written, well-researched, and the articles itself are actually saying what they are, uh, actually saying what you want to say for your website. Say you are an outsourcing website. So the articles that you should be writing should be related to outsourcing and nothing else. So that's it. When you are doing that, 
you will give more value to your clients or your target readers. Yeah. I mean, I think I think it's a big point of like really focusing on your niche and building out your niche more and more so, so you can gain more and more um, authority on that one niche, right? Instead of branching out and becoming an all, you know, you know, way beyond your niche just to try to generate traffic that's not going to be that impactful because they're probably not that interested in your product or your service anyway. So I think that that's that's really it's really helpful. Um, you know, like how did you know how did you initially got get interested and have the insight on you know, you know really really focusing on long tail as your main strategy. I have noticed that people who are doing exact match keywords have different search query intent. When you're doing or optimizing for exact match keywords, you don't actually target the right audience. People who do exact match have different intent. Some may be um, for navigational purposes only. Some would be for informational purposes only. And the ones that really convert are those that are transactional. You can't really actually define that if you are using just exact match keywords. But if you're doing long tail keywords, let's say if the your clients or your audience are looking for something to buy, then they will and add the keywords buy now or cheap or for sale. Then with that, the intent is transformed from being informational into transactional and then actually converts into sales. So there. The focus yeah. on long tail keyword is very tricky, especially when you are um, doing B2B or B2C SEO. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, you know, you mentioned some examples of like, well, if it's for sale or cheap is in the, is in the keyword phrase somewhere, then it mm-hmm. probably has more intent of, of, uh, of buying behavior. But, you know, how do you differentiate the challenging ones, the ones that, you know, it may not seem that clear if they're buying or they're transactional or not. Is there... Is there some other thoughts you have about how to differentiate the, in, you know, the people that are looking just for information versus transactional and how do you differentiate in the kind of gray area? Um, right now I'm using a, a tool for that, which is SEMrush. And I'm also open to using other tools such as SEO Radar that you have mentioned. And yeah. for that, yeah. the tool itself is giving you ideas when the keywords that you are using are transactional, con- um, informational, or navigational keywords. So there, it's a very helpful tool. Interesting, interesting. And so for SEM Rush, like, have you what what have you what you know have you found that the that the information they provide of it being transactional or non-transactional or those kind of things? How how valid have you found the tool based upon your you know, your expertise? Based on my um, professional opinion on such matter, the tool itself is very useful, but I cannot single-handedly focus on that or just recommend one tool for doing SEO. In order for you to effectively do SEO, then you have to utilize every tool that you have uh, on your arsenal and also compare those data in order for you to come up with the right tactics for your SEO strategy. Yeah, I mean, I can't agree. I couldn't agree more that the more and more that I see in this space is that people have an SEO stack, right? And mm-hmm. you know, you mentioned you mentioned 
SEM Rush or SEMrush. And a lot of people use that. People use Moz or Hrefs. These are a lot of building blocks of foundational um, SEO tools that, you know, say that they're all in one, but I really think that there's a lot more benefit of adding or complementing a lot of these tools with things like you talked about, like a keyword surfer extension. There's a whole bunch of other smaller tools that are uh, helpful. And a lot of people stack and stack a bunch of different tools to make it, make it really, you know, make it so that they can actually get a lot more done with a lot less staff. So, you know, one thing that I always, that I've been hearing a lot about is, about you know AI content. What what's your thoughts about that and how that's developing in the industry? Um, AI content isn't actually my cup of tea right now. Yeah. Um, I am more with the content writing with an actual person. Like again, what I've mentioned to you before, if your content isn't conversing with your audience, then it's no use. So to actually have that feel that you are talking to your audience or having a conversation with your audience is to have someone who is exceptional in writing your content or who is really knowledge, knowledgeable in writing the content that you are about to put out there for your audience. So I am more with the content writing with a really good writer so that it will have this conversational feel with the readers or your target audience. And I mean, how are you finding great writers that know a lot about the subject matter that you're trying to rank for? Mostly people that I've worked with uh, have more experience than me when it comes to content writing. So the thing with learning is when people are more experienced than you, then you have also to have to accept that they are better than you and then learn from them. And from what I ha- have sure. experienced with my writers, um, they are adept in writing anything and they have been very, very good when it comes to adapting with the industry that we are currently right now. So most of them have been technical SEOs or research writers in the past, but uh, I have utilized them fully with their potential when it comes to writing outsourcing and call center industry-related articles. So they are very adaptive when it comes to their talents and their writing skills. And there, it's a continuous learning process. That's cool. That's cool. I mean, I, I, I think it's it's great that you have a staff of great writers. Um, so, I mean, one of the things that I, that I always wonder about is, you know, what are you doing to stay ahead of the curve on trends and changes in SEO? Because you, know, you talked about, you know, your kind of content strategy, but it feels like every couple of years, there's more and more things that are changing and things that you have to really think about. So what are you doing to stay ahead of the curve? Data analysis. Mostly when it comes to SEO, all the data is already in front of you. But most SEO mistakes, one of the many SEO mistakes that are being done is not actually analyzing the data that's in front of them. When you actually analyze the data in front of you, you will have this SEO strategy that is geared towards developing a good SEO strategy for future references or for future use. So when you um, analyze this data, you will be able to identify SEO strategies that will be working for you and your company in the future. If you fail to analyze this data, then you won't be able to pinpoint 
or come up with an SEO strategy that will be beneficial for your company or your for your industry. So this is very crucial and very important data analysis. Cool. I mean, so you know the the data in front of you. Are there a few you know tips about what kind of data is important? What you, what kind of data are you looking for when uh, when you're thinking about you know, or if you're telling a friend that's new to SEO, what kind of data should they go look at? Um, usually the law law hanging fruits for that matter. When I say law hanging fruits, those that uh, most SEOs don't actually look for. And when it comes to let's say B two B marketing. Um, you should be looking at the devices that most of your audience are looking for. Let's say if most of them are using mobile, then you should be more focused on optimizing your mobile mobile for that matter. And if you're looking for, uh, if you are a B2C company, then you should be focusing on the drop rates or the um, bounce rate for your website pages and then looking for those pages and then optimizing those pages that doesn't really have traffic at all. By doing this analysis, then you will be focusing more on those aspects that mostly are overlooked and then optimizing those pages. And then in the long run, increasing your visibility online and also your revenue. Yeah, I mean, it's a a really interesting point where you started out with device because I definitely see on B2B that there's still a real strong preference for laptops for like desktop, yes. right? Versus mobile. And it's kind of crazy to me because I, you know, I've, I've had a lot of, um, I've worked at a lot of different kind of companies and most of my, you know, last, you know, five years of my career, I were primarily in kind of the consumer space. So I saw a lot of mobile use, you know, over 50%, in most cases of mobile use. And I saw the drift from like 40% to 55% or so uh, over time. And the interesting thing is, you know, now I'm at a company that's a lot more focused on B2B SEO, as like a B2B SEO tool. And so I see a ton of traffic, like 90 or more than 90% are from desktop non-mobile computers, which is super unusual to me because I'm so focused. Yeah, so I've been so focused on mobile first and mobile responsive and everybody in the community typically is because most people, a lot of, you know, a lot of people that I, that I work with are, you know, consumer like e-commerce or travel or real estate or, you know, auto, the automotive space. We, you know, we cover a lot of spaces here. And so we see a lot of consumer stuff. And um, as far as our clients' websites go, and the funny thing is, like, you know, you see the opposite there. You see a lot more mobile usage. And so, you know, with, with, with what we've been doing here, you know, we've, we've definitely made sure our product can do a lot of great things on mobile as well as desktop, um, even though our traffic is so much, so much desktop. It's, it's just kind of funny how there really are two worlds. There's really the consumer world, and then there's the B2B kind of world where it's still a little bit different. Than uh, than people pulling out their phone because people are not don't really want to research you know uh, uh, kind of productivity things on a on a on a phone so it's just kind of funny um, yeah um, when I was working uh, for someone before in the past with the cybersecurity industry I have yeah. asked why their data also has more when it comes to desktop. 
for yeah. the devices. And uh, my theory there back then, and the answer that was given to me is because more people or more businessmen or more businesses feel that they are more secure when browsing on a laptop or a desktop rather than when they are using their mobile devices. So that's probably the reason why for B2B businesses, you will see on your data on analytics that you have more traffic when it comes to desktop or laptop devices. See, I mean, that that could definitely be true. I just kind of feel like, well, there are certain, you know, when you're, when you're doing stuff for work, you're not usually doing a lot of work on your phone. Maybe you're doing email mm-hmm. on your phone, but if you have to open up like, you know, Excel, and some, you know, like you talked about data analytics tools or Google Analytics or Google Search Console or SEMrush. If you're opening up all these tools, these tools take up kind of a lot of screen real estate. And when you deal with them, you can't really multitask that well on a phone. I can't use Excel that well on a phone. Like, you know, I've used Google Sheets on my phone. And it's just terrible experience. So anything I'm having to do with a spreadsheet or if I'm writing like an article or doing something on Google Sheets or anything like that, I'm always going to my computer and not for cybersecurity reasons, just for the sheer productivity aspect of it. So that's, you know, I don't know if the cybersecurity thing is true. Maybe that's true, but it also could be true that people just use a, a desktop, desktop. Kind of computer for more business oriented stuff because the programs and the things that they're doing are just more complicated, right? So I can easily read information or watch YouTube videos or listen to podcasts on my phone, but doing data analysis is much trickier on a phone. So at least that's my opinion. I don't know, maybe I'm wrong on that, but but that's kind of kind of my take. Uh, well, on the, when it on the, when it comes to SEO. When it comes to SEO, there are actually no wrong opinion about that. Every everything is valid since every one of us has different SEO strategies. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I know for me, like when I'm working, I'll be like doing some analysis and then I'll go to Google to search on something that's related to that analysis. And then I'm a B2B search, right? And so literally I'm the the desktop search searching for some random long tail keyword that's like a B2B kind of thing. And maybe it's informational. So maybe I'll get like an informational thing or an informational play, someone that's really trying to like create content that's helpful to answer my question, but but it's trying to drop a seed of, hey, we're a reliable company and here's our product in the end if you want to use it. So it's it's interesting that all these different types of tactics that people are using in in the space. you know, what What do you think, you know, there's some, what, what's something everyone in our industry is trying to do that you've just discovered a better way of doing? Most of the SEO that I know would actually optimize for keywords with high search volume. Yeah. This is always the case. But for me, it's always good to optimize for um, keywords that actually do not have volume at all. Like those that are 0, 10, 70, 120 for that matter. Because in the long run, when you have optimized these keywords and when it actually has, when it actually gains volume for search, then you'd be the first one on the search result. So, so this is one tactic going after, that I Going after keywords that no one will go after because mm-hmm. they don't think there's anything there. Like the zeros, yes. the donuts, the zeros, and just cleaning up all the zeros and saying, you know what, we're going to write content for these kind of things, even though the search volume is very, very low, you know, it's probably not zero, 
but it's probably low enough where Google doesn't really know much about it, but then no one's competing for it. So then you compete for it, you rank number one or number two, and then there actually is volume there because you know maybe you yes, rank exactly. for a couple other terms too, or there the volume starts to appear because there really is volume there, but there was just no good results before. Interesting. That that's yes. super interesting. I, I just never thought that much about that. Um, what, what, what should, you know, what should everybody in our space stop doing today? Oh, what I have mentioned, like what you have added in the introduction, people should stop doing what they're doing when they are optimizing for Google search. Yeah. And what do you, what do you mean by that? Like, can you give me an example of like what you see and what, what, you know, how they're, how people are optimizing for these Google searches and, and like, what do you think is a bad example of all of what, um, what happens? Stuffing keywords, exact match keywords and phrases yeah. so that they will be ranking on the first three spots for Google search. That is optimizing for Google search, but it doesn't actually add value for the readers or for your target audience for that matter. Yeah, I mean, I see that all the time. I search for stuff like, you know, search for a random thing or, you know, search for like the best XYZ. And sometimes you mm -hmm. get a good article, maybe by like Wirecutter or like a blogger that like really does in-depth hands-on reviews of certain things. But then you also get like top 10 lists of someone that it just literally looks like they just pulled down 10 items off Amazon. And, uh, and there's, there's like pros and cons that are like the, the, just taken from the Amazon listing. And so it's a little bit like, you know, uh, someone spent 20 minutes putting together an article, but never used any of the stuff. And that, that to me is, is interesting that that stuff still ranks. That stuff still ranks for my searches, even after so many years of Google trying to give me the best content. So I feel like there's still so much room. And I think what you're talking about is some of those types of people that are just trying to put something together to rank for something, but the content is really poor, poorly done. It's poorly written, poorly, poorly done content. Um, yes, exactly. What, what do you think everyone in our space should start doing though? Um, for your SEO to have a better um, SEO strategy, you yeah. should start focusing on user intent to provide your readers valuable content and also content that they can actually use or that they are actually searching for. So when then, you do this again, you are adding value to your readers. Yeah. And then how do you, you know, how do you understand a lot more about user intent? You know, I understand, you know, you can get some intent of like, are they going to be transactional or not? But how do you delve really deep into that user intent to write a really good article? Um, simple. You just have to put yourself on your audience shoes. Let's say if you're using, let's say for me in the call center industry, um, usually people are searching for exact much keywords like outsourcing. But when you do long tail keywords and you will go for outsourcing in the Philippines, best outsourcing companies in the Philippines, you, you would actually go in the shoes of your audience and then think of what they would actually search or like to search in Google and then go for that keywords. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. And I mean, when you're thinking about that user intent, do you ever, do you look at what's ranking for that keyword right now? Do you use that as a guide or do you just really try to step into that, you know, do something differently than that? 
you start with exact match keywords and then you branch out to create your long tail keywords. Yeah. Okay. And um, let's see. You know, can you give me some examples of like, you know, some of the things that you've done in the past and like what, what, you know, it sounds like this long tail stuff is really working for you. But what, mm-hmm. what are a few things that you tried that just didn't work? It's always interesting to know the things that, that do work, but it's all also interesting to know the things that really just people shouldn't, shouldn't waste their time doing because you're like, oh, I tried this. It doesn't work. It didn't work in my, in my industry. Um, publish and publish and publish more articles. It doesn't work that way. The best thing to do and for us to give more of value for the readers is just to publish just even one for one topic or so, and then just gradually update this page once you have new something new for that page or there's an update or there's a new learning for that topic. By doing so, you won't lose the value for the, for the page and you won't be splitting the actual audience that actually goes to the page when you publish more articles that only has one topic. So that's one trick that I have done in the past. Before, I've been publishing more and more articles, but now I only focus on publishing just one page and then updating those pages once content is readily available again. I mean, that, that's really interesting because I feel like you can kind of publish something on a certain topic and there could be something that's, you know, a little bit newsworthy in that topic. And you could just come up with mm-hmm. a new article that's just based upon the newsworthiness of that of that area. But it could be something that you just incorporate in the older article and you just update it and and you pull, you know, you can add the theme throughout or add the update into a what's new part of that that whole article. I think that's really interesting of just trying to build up that article to make it better and better over time versus like one and done. Put it out there, try to rank for it. If it doesn't rank, move on to the next and just keep on yes. writing versus kind of just really refine and cater that those, you know, the content pieces you have and just more treat them like a you know, like a like a plant that you're growing, you water it every day, you add a little bit of of uh, of of you know uh, sun and you wait and you give it time, backlinks build, you add a little bit more water and you grow the plants just like you grow the article over time. So you start with a strong article and then you continually update it every you know couple months or so to make sure it stays up to date or adding in some cross links to other articles that you've written or adding other things that, that, you know, may not even be a real update, but it just continually tries to add a little bit of value here and there. Um, that, that sounds like a really interesting way. That's very different than a lot of people are just like publish, 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 you know, let's put out mm-hmm. 1500 word articles, you know, four times a week on, you know, the keywords that we're going after this month and just try to publish a lot. So that, that's really interesting. Cool. Well, you know, I think, I think we've, you know, we've touched upon a lot of amazing aspects and I really want to give you some time to tell us, you know, what, you know, what you're working on or anything that you'd like to, to tell us or how people can get in touch with you if they're interested in following up with you about some of your perspectives. Hi everyone. Um, if you are looking for any 
um, outsourcing or call center agencies in the Philippines, then you should probably look for our company, superstaff.com. You can also reach me through there, through my email, ldulnuan at superstaff.com. And probably by first quarter next year, we have this plan to expand. And in the future, we will be offering SEO and digital marketing services for more people to help out there. So there. Cool. So it's a little bit of like an SEO agency and uh, and you've got a great outsourcing firm that you're working for and building up a lot of great, um, a, a lot of great traffic for that. So look, LA, this has been so much fun. I really like talking about all these long tail ta- tips and tactics. I think it's been super interesting and it's really mm-hmm. helpful for people that are stuck in kind of like a hamster wheel of writing, 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 writing more and more articles and going after exact phrase or exact uh, match keywords uh, where they can do something a little bit differently and they can broaden their scope and actually create tra- you know create content that's probably better and matches the user intent better than what they're doing now. So cool. Thank you so much for joining SEO Unveiled. I, I really enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Clay. Thank you for this opportunity. And I look forward to talking to you with, again. For sure.